Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on lifestyle design for millennials. I'm Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. Today, I have a special guest who's going to talk a lot about budgeting. His name is Jesse Meekum. Jesse is the founder of YNAB. He teaches individuals, families, and business owners four rules for thinking about their money in a whole new way. While broke and a newly married college student, Jesse launched his original software as a spreadsheet, and it made money. When not teaching people how to budget, Jesse loves gardening, CrossFit, marksmanship, and travel. He also spends a good bit of time with his wife and the six small people that live in their house with them. Hi, Jesse. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. So let's talk about YNAB. And for listeners out there, YNAB stands for youneedabudget.com. So how and why did you start YNAB? Well, the how is longer, but the why was pretty quick. I started it because I needed to make some extra money to finish off school. We were married and having our first baby and we did not have a lot of money at all. Uh, I still had two years of school left and I figured, well, maybe people would want to buy this little spreadsheet that I'd been using for about a year with my wife with some degree of success. And, uh, it was born. I figured if it made enough to cover our rent, then it would be a success. Nice. That was the why behind it. No grand vision, just that. So, so you created your own spreadsheet for your own purposes, and then you decided to sell it. Exactly. I mean, how did you start selling it? Like just to friends, or you oh know? no, I just I um, I learned how to build websites, and back then it was a lot easier than it is now to a degree. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned how to do that, and then um, kind of polished up the spreadsheet and made it sellable. I had a few examples online of people that were selling spreadsheets already. Not a lot, but a few. And started doing advertising for it through what at the time was brand new, and that was uh, Google AdWords. Oh, yeah. So you were there at the start. Exactly. Clicks were super cheap back then, and that was what I did. I spent about 60 bucks getting clicks, and (laughs) that was that. And that's awesome that you made money from it. So let's go from the beginning. I mean, for people out there who don't budget at all, they don't really understand how it works. Can you explain your basic concept of budgeting, how that works in your perspective? Absolutely. So uh, most of the time when people hear the word budgeting, they think about like maybe being imprisoned or being uh, restricted in, in major ways. We have basically four rules that we teach people to live by as they uh, try and do better with their money. And the first rule is that we want everyone to give every dollar that they have a job. So don't forecast, don't look ahead and pretend you have money. Uh, don't say, I will have money in a week, so what should I do with that? Just look at the money you have on hand and say, what should this money do before I'm paid again? And make sure that what it's doing lines up with what you really, truly, honestly care about. Um, the second rule then is a derivative of the first where we're saying, okay, we've got what you currently want your money to do, but let's look ahead and think about how some of that money you have right now might be needed for the future. Maybe uh, the car tires are looking really, really bare, or maybe the car itself is getting really old, or the fridge is making a really strange noise, or you have Christmas coming up, or any, all mm-hmm. sorts of things where there are larger, less frequent expenses that always happen, mm-hmm. and we want to be ready for those. So we call that uh, embracing your true expenses, meaning 
we're not just worried about the here and now. We're also looking ahead and setting aside money for those things. So what did you call the first one? The first one is just, we call it giving every dollar a job. Oh, and giving every dollar a job. You embrace your true expenses. And mm. the true expense idea is, is something, I mean, people never think about vacations as a monthly expense. They just think, oh, I want to go on vacation. I wish I could. Or, mm -hmm. oh, I did. I put it on a credit card. Now I'm kind of stressed or ashamed about uh, that. Yeah. So we really want you to think, well, everything's an expense. If you just take like that big trip you went on and you divide that up and you say, okay, the trip cost for easy math, we'll say $1,200. And if you'd been saving for that for a year, it would have been a hundred dollar vacation bill, so to speak, mm, every single like month. Per month. Oh, I see. Yeah. I guess a lot of people don't think about just making it a monthly expense. They, they try to save the money, but they don't count how much they're saving. Exactly. Right? So what happens is they're, they're trying to say like, do I have enough money to buy this thing? Or do I have enough money to go out with my friends? Or any number of things that come up. And they'll look at their bank account balance and they'll say, well, do I have enough? And the bank account says, hey, you're rich. You got $900. Or no, you have 50. And mm -hmm. if it's 900, they're like, oh, great. I can go out. And they don't realize that a lot of that 900 or some of it's already spoken for by the trip they're going to take in six months, the car repairs they're going to be paying for in nine months, things like that. Right. So you want to be able to be considering your future larger expenses along mm. with your current needs and wants as you're making those decisions about can I afford this thing? You know, should I do and it? that? And that takes a lot of work to, it takes time and work to sit down and calculate or do some research on how much things will cost. Because for me, like whenever I, my car needs to get fixed, I'm like, Ugh, like yeah. I never plan for that. I'm just no, like, this no, is so much money. And it's sometimes like you don't even know how to plan for it because you don't know what's going to go wrong. So, I mean, do you have like a method on how you find out these future expenses? Yeah. One thing is don't let perfect be the enemy of the good there. So okay. when you're saying, okay, my transmission's going to fall out of my car. I mean, you could go to a different mechanic and have a 20% difference in price, just depending on how, mm. you know, how happy the guy is that day or whatever. So it can vary dramatically. It can, you know, a car repair can be $200 or $2,000. Mm -hmm. What we try and get people to do is say one is, you know it's going to be more than $0. That much we're certain of. So let's mm -hmm. not pretend it'll be zero. Let's actually mm -hmm. set aside some money for it. The best case scenario, you've accidentally oversaved and you realize, oh, I had $1,800 saved for eventual car repairs and gosh, it's been sitting at $1,800 forever and I never seem to dip below that. Maybe I can dial that back a little bit. So you make yeah, adjustments. Right. And you, you can't go wrong if you have extra money Absolutely. saved. Absolutely. <laughs> you you're definitely wrong if you're saving zero. That we know you're oh, wrong yes. there. So, yes. so if people are like, oh, yeah, that's right. I guess zero is always wrong. And anything above zero is maybe wrong. And let's go with maybe <laughs> wrong in that situation. Mm -hmm. you know? And more is better. I noticed for a while I had a Honda Civic for a long time. This really reliable car is like a 2002 and we put aside 150 bucks a month for repairs. Not a ton, but like, hey, it'll need repairs, it'll need repairs. And testament to the Honda, at least to mine. But after years of that, probably four or five years, I think I had spent 300 bucks wow. on repairs. And so <laughs> you, you end up, you're, I, I was looking at the category one time where we track you know, what we've allocated for the different jobs uh, mm -hmm. in the budget. And I was looking at my wife, Julie, and we were like, I think we had three grand in the repairs category. And the car was worth like 2,500. You know, right? And at that point, you're like, well, that now we know we've we've really oversaved. But yeah. it wasn't like you felt that big bill of two grand. We were just setting aside 150 bucks a month every month, not even thinking about it. 
You know, and that's you really want to get it to a point where you're not thinking all the time about your money. You're not doing all this math all the time. I mean, that'd, that'd be lame, you know. So you really want to get a plan. And then that third rule, I haven't gotten to our third rule yet, but you set this plan up. You're looking ahead. And then you know right away, as soon as you set your plan up, you know that you'll have to make adjustments. And so we call that rolling with the punches. It's a rule in our method that you change your budget as needed. And mm-hmm. it's funny to have people you know, need that as a rule, but you set the plan, you get to change the plan whenever you want. Like a basketball coach where she makes halftime adjustments. You know, As soon as you see what your opponent's doing, you'll make adjustments. It's the same with budgeting. Mm-hmm. As soon as you see what life is throwing at you, you make adjustments and things. Okay. It's just Makes part sense. of the process. Yeah, and the last rule? The last rule is what we call aging your money. And what we want to have happen is you are getting to a point where the money you earned, or the money you're, I'll say it this way, the money you're spending now, you earned at least 30 days ago. And so mm-hmm. there's this gap between the time you earn money and the time you spend that specific dollar. And the software tracks it for you, so it's not like you're oh, uh, tagging your money or anything. But you, <laughs> the software just knows, okay, this is how long this dollar has been sitting in the pile. And uh, if it's plus you know, 30 days, even 60 days is great, um, you know you're in a good spot. We have people that get paid on Friday and then spend it all by Monday, and yeah. they're, they're spending money that is literally like three days old, so to speak. And it's a stressful mm-hmm. way to live. So think about that. Like, how old is this money that I'm spending? Is it... Is it a year old because I'm just living off of some big pile of money? Is it a day old because I was paid yesterday? That measure is a really good measure of just how sane you are, how um, how little stress you might have. Right, because you want that cushion, right? Exactly. So you said your money should be 30 days old before you spend it. Exactly, yep. That's a really interesting concept. <laughs> What's really crazy is people actually will – and I don't the, – the metaphor breaks down if you think about like credit cards because a lot of times people are spending money – before they've even earned it. I mean, they, they're really like yeah. negative in this mm-hmm. with that measure. Um, but it is, it is a good measure of health. It doesn't mean you're rich. It doesn't mean you make tons of money. It just means you don't live so close to the edge. Yeah, I think everybody should aim to have that cushion. Absolutely. I mean, the bigger, the better. So for people out there who are living on the edge right now, what, is your, what are your best tips on how to create that space? How do you age your money? If, if someone's right now living literally like paycheck to paycheck, yeah. or maybe they, they are spending more than they have, because some people are in that position, how do you right. get out of it? Which is really hard. Yeah, absolutely. 80% of, of, at least in the US, 80% of people live paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Another stat is that they couldn't handle a $500 emergency. That's, you know, mm-hmm. something, the same thing said a different way. And for most people living in, at least in the US, it is a matter of awareness and intention much more. And this isn't to say that these don't exist. These cases don't exist where people really don't have enough. But for the general population, just speaking generally for a bit, it is a matter of awareness and intention with their money, not a matter of earning too little. So mm. it, a lot of times we'll kind of be hand wavy and we'll say, oh, uh, I, I can't make ends meet, therefore I shouldn't even try. Or I make so little, a budget would just tell me that I make a little and I already know that. And, yeah. and kind of defeatist statements like that. And right. I've tested budgets uh, when I was making $700 a month and living 
you know, just right on the edge. And they work then. I'm still testing it now as I thankfully don't make just $700 a month trying to support a family. So it works across the entire spectrum of people, uh, whether they're making a lot or a little. Everyone needs it. And what you want to do, and this isn't like very tactical or anything. We can go there if you want. But when I talk about trying to create a gap between what you're spending and what you're earning, it's really about just being aware of where the money's going first and then looking internally and being aware of what your true priorities are, what they really, really are at their core and making sure that the money lines up with those priorities. In the vast majority of cases, and we've seen this happen literally hundreds of thousands of times, people realize, they'll say, oh, I feel like I got a raise. I'm not even making more money and suddenly there's more money in my bank account. And it's, it's just because they're more aware and they're choosing not, they're not depriving. They're just choosing. I want my money to go here instead of there. Mm-hmm. And that seems to make all the difference. Right. It seems a big part of it is just mental. It's oh, awareness. Mental. It's not feeling like you're poor, but just being real, looking at the numbers and you know, like knowing where everything is going. Absolutely. I mean, I, I make more money now than I did 10 years ago. And I still feel the same that I did 10 years ago. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. it'd be nice to have some more. I mean, yeah. when does that ever stop, always, you know? Yeah. So you, you're kind of like, well, yeah, okay, I'm always going to say it'll be nice to have more. So clearly that's not really a function of happiness. And we, I mean, there are actually pretty solid studies around that. But what we're really going for is just where do I find peace at any right. point in this spectrum of money? And I think the peace, and that's not just thinking, I know the peace is found when money and priorities for people on an individual basis are lining up and in sync. Then yeah. at any income beyond like survival income, right? Anything above Mm -hmm. that and you're really feeling pretty at peace with things. It's time for a break dedicated to all my creatives out there. Do you ever need to find sound effects, stock images, or stock videos for your creative projects? Well, you can get studio quality stock for a fraction of the cost with Videoblocks. Videoblocks is a subscription stock media service that allows people to download all the stock media they need for one low cost of $149 a year. Download all the stock video your heart desires from their member library, including HD footage, After Effects templates, motion backgrounds, and more. All content is royalty free so you can use it for commercial and personal projects. And new clips are added regularly so there's always something fresh to download. Go to videoblocks.com lifestyle to get all the stock footage you can imagine for $149 a year. That's videoblocks, V-I-D-E-O-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash lifestyle to save on millions of studio quality clips from Videoblocks. The link will also be in the show notes below. All right, back to the podcast. When you say like when your money and priorities line up, can you give some examples of what that looks like outside of like your basic necessities? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like we're somewhere, we're not on the base level. In first world countries, we, we're so richly blessed and there's so much abundance around. It's crazy. So we'll go kind of up the pyramid a little ways. And I'll give you actually one example that's kind of, it sounds kind of trite. And so it's actually a pretty good example. I had a, a friend who they would spend a lot of money on going out to the movies. And they had a family of uh, three kids and then the husband and wife. And they would all go to the movies almost every weekend. When, and like full price, you know, newest release, they would buy the popcorn, which I love. You know, they'd get the drinks. Like they just loved it, loved it. And so when he started budgeting, it, of course he sees this fairly large like entertainment outflow happening for this family 
And he's like, oh man, but I really love, you know, I love the, the theater. We love going to movies. We're a movies family. And I mean, he loved the smell, you know, like the smell yeah. of the theater, like the whole ambiance of it. So we chatted about that. And I, I was, I kind of annoyed him for the first two minutes or so because I kept just asking him why. Like, tell me, what do you love about it? What do you love? And he described the smell. He described being together. He described like the, the previews beforehand. He described like how the light, like the excitement for the new movie and everything about being with their, you know, everyone together. And we got to a point where he was describing something that was not really about the movie theater. It was about the family being together. It was about finding entertainment that they all enjoyed together. And it was about good food that they all liked. And I challenged him. I said, can you try and recreate this at home just to see what it would be like? And he's like, yeah, sure. So now years later, they have like this. I mean, they don't have like a fancy movie theater set up, but they've got some posters on the wall. They have some cool lighting that he actually did later. They have a popcorn maker. And they, they've recreated this theater experience. And it, it saved them tons and tons. I mean, I think he was spending close to $500 a month on Maybe, maybe it was a little less. It was a lot. Like, it, it stood out, right? Right, but it's a good amount. So he's he's sitting there and he's like, we have so much fun. We don't battle the crowd. They even do, like, this preview thing with it. Like, we're going to watch a <laughs> wow. couple. You know, I mean, it was really, like, they're really serious about it because the dad was yeah. kind of saying, like, hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to torch this tradition we all have. So everyone was pretty nervous and then it worked out great so that's a really long example that's a good example yeah it's to show like priorities mean like go to the core of what they really are if you love going out with friends like what do you love do you love spending the money or do you love like being together do you love the atmosphere or you know there's so much more that you can kind of peel back and really get to the core and a lot of times that the essence of these things we love doing aren't the expensive parts. It's all of the trappings mm-hmm. that I end agree. up being expensive. So. It sounds like at the heart of it, all the things we love is usually tied to just spending time with people we love or having fun in a way like, you know, singing and dancing. Like you don't have to pay to go to a club to exactly. dance. Like you can dance at home. There's a lot of ways to still live life to the fullest without being expensive. Absolutely. And and it's not to say that you never do these things. Like budgeting is not about depriving. It's It's planning. It's, right. it's intending. What do you intend to do with your money? And mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't even like honestly giving examples of uh, things like going to the movies or playing golf or going out to eat because people will hear that and think, oh, he doesn't think you should go out to eat. And that's just, I just couldn't care less what you want to do with your money. <laughs> as long as you really, it, you're true to what you really love. You know, that yeah. I really love going out to eat. I'm a foodie. It, I love it to its core. You know, I can't get enough of it then by all means, make sure your money is supporting you in that. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it because marketing is kind of making you a little bit of a sheep in a situation, maybe maybe second-guess that one, you know? Yeah. That's what we try and get people to is just being aware and being intentional. And I think that when you bring this awareness, you kind of see money as just like a tool and a resource. I know a lot of people have like an emotional tie to money, whether oh, it's positive so. or negative. Yeah. Can you just quickly talk about what, how that contributes to our perception of money. How can we detach our emotions from money? I don't, yeah, I don't know if we can detach our emotions from, from money, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's just so darn intertwined in everything we do. It just kind of gets to us like at our very, very core. 
And um, for better or worse, um, it can get people really anxious. It can make them elated. They're usually fleeting emotions, but they happen nonetheless. If you can just see money for what it is, that might help with kind of the whipsaw emotional roller coaster we end to, you know we end up on mm-hmm. as it relates to that and that's probably where I would attack it I would I would say well what what does money mean to you like if you've only ever grown up with money being you know you saw money as a point of contention between your parents then mm-hmm. you might have some fear of having open discussion with your partner about money that you're sharing or if you only ever saw it as uh, like taboo. We just don't talk about money. And, and maybe like my parents just quietly stress out like crazy. uh, But you never as a kid would see that because they just thought it was, you know, forbidden. So there are different, I mean, heck, some people, they were maybe raised in a house where money was just so plentiful, that 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 was the stressful part of it, where Mm -hmm. there was no restraint. And now you have children raised that weren't didn't feel that restraint and so they're having to suddenly they're like oh i'm on my own i i have finite resources i've never felt that before that's (laughs) a totally crazy emotion for people so it really goes lots of different directions but at the end of the day if you can recognize money as simply a tool for getting you what you want and i mean that in like the purest of forms right Mm -hmm. then you see it as a tool for good that it really it's meant to help you live the life you want to live and you're yeah. trading your life for money. And so you might as well make sure that, that, that you continue that all the way through your process. So if I'm spending a bunch of time sitting behind a computer every single day, mm-hmm. um, instead of with my kids every single day, then you're really trading your time for money. And then if you remove money from the equation, you're trading your time for whatever that money is used for, for a larger house, for mm-hmm. uh, lawn maintenance, for a fancy car for a beater car doesn't matter but that is what you're trading your life for and mm-hmm. almost sounds morbid saying that <laughs> no but i i get it that is the the perspective that people need to have because then i think they'll treat it with a little more intention than they have in the past i mean more, more like like you're trading your life for money you might as well make your money give you what you want right like sure. like bring you happiness bring you joy with whatever that you're you're doing it and you definitely want to be in control of your money and not feel like your money's controlling you absolutely yeah. your money it doesn't it, it can't control you but you just you end up bearing consequences that you know a lot of times of our own creation that are just mm-hmm. uh, devastating. They, they're, they're stressful. They can make us really an emotional wreck. They can rob us from doing things that we actually would really like to do. Because if you have so many obligations that you don't have any options, then when a new opportunity comes along, a different job that maybe pays less but would be far more fulfilling, suddenly money is now dictating yeah. the job you should take. And that's, choices. Right, that's where yeah. it can be... Uh, be yeah. a negative. I mean, that's why it's important to budget ahead of time and save up just in case, right? Yeah, you have all sorts of different jobs that that money should do. We, I, I talk a lot with people about you have current you and then you have the future you. And there's a balance oh, yeah. there. Like you want to make sure that you don't leave future you completely out in the cold. You know, you want to make mm-hmm. sure you don't leave them there with a car that can't be maintained or with a tire that blows out and no money to pay for it, or mm-hmm. um, even with a vacation that you enjoy that then future you has to pay off on a credit card. Right, and stress out about afterwards. Exactly. You're like, come on, <laughs> yeah. man. You, you throw, throw, the, throw the guy or girl a bone here and help out a little yeah. bit with this future version of yourself. You know? 
But there's a balance. Yeah. There are people yeah. that will defer everything, always waiting for this better tomorrow, and they're kind of not enjoying you know, the mm-hmm. present right now. You have to enjoy the present, but also plan for the future. Absolutely. And, and as you do both, the present is far more enjoyable with a little bit of future planning uh, as you yeah. just move along. Yeah, because in a way, your, your present self thinks your past self. Exactly. For, for what you've done. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, how often do we say like, oh, if I were, if I could do it over again, that's you lamenting. That's future you lamenting at exactly. the, the past, you know? And, and so that kind of thing you say, okay, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say that again in 10 years. I'm going to set my future self up to where now nah, we're not going to be rich or whatever, but we will be taken care of. I will have thought of things. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, the best reason everybody should be budgeting and thinking about their finances in a better way. It really is just about like, what do you want to make of your life and how can money help you do that? That mm-hmm. really is it. Budgeting is just planning and yes. um, it's not at all about depriving or restricting. I mean, I, I have three line items on my personal budget. I have a New York trip for the family. I've got a Disney World trip for the family. And then one we just took to Cancun, um, Julie and I did just recently. And so we actually need to get rid of that one. But, I mean, those are very specific, fun things that we're planning and saving for that we have been for a while. So when they happen, we're just going to thoroughly enjoy ourselves as long as the lines mm-hmm. are too long at Disney World. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and make sure that, like, we're having fun. It'll all be paid for. No guilt. That's what the money is there for. The money is there to create an experience that we are excited about, that we really want. So budgets awesome. are about attaining yeah. things, not about yes. avoiding things. Yes. I really enjoyed this interview. I feel like this will open up the eyes of a lot of people, myself included, of why they should start budgeting. Because for me, like personally, I I kind of set a budget. It's really loose. Like sometimes I go over, sometimes I go under. I don't really try to stick to it. But planning ahead for future vacations or future expenses, that's really, really useful. So thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. Where can our listeners find you online, Jesse? You can find anything you need to know about budgeting at youneedabudget.com. And then I'm not on Twitter anymore. I mean, I'm there, but I don't participate really. I, I took a break last year, and I really loved the break, so I've continued. Good for you. But uh, you can also email me, jesse at ynab.com, and I'm happy to answer any questions people have. Um, so we, we run classes and workshops daily. I mean, there's one probably in the next 30 minutes, you know, from when <laughs> someone's listening to this. Nice. And you can take a live workshop and have one of our teachers walk you through not just, I mean, the software is one thing, but like the thinking you know, the method mm-hmm. and how you can just begin to think about your money differently. I think that's where, really where the, where the magic happens. Nice. Well, thank you so much to all the listeners out there. Make sure you check out Jesse and youneededbudget.com. I'll have all the links in the show notes below. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like the podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. It helps me so much and also helps other people find the show. You can also catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artists of life. All right. Love you all. Bye.